All right, let's get right into it. Another episode here of your Fantastics Insider Football Podcast. It's episode 43. Dan Claskins back with my guy here, James Adams. We're just back from uh, some fun times in the Fantasy Football Expo. I know last time uh, James was with Skeeter Robinson, so I appreciate Skeeter for jumping in. And James, today we're going to dive into some red zone data. We're going to get into, obviously, the Fantasy Football Expo and what happened up there in Canada, at least the parts you remember. And and we will definitely dive into some preseason week one. Games are going on everywhere, my man, and uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I appreciate Skeeter jumping in last week. Uh, so, but he, And he was over-prepared, as you would imagine. Uh, Skeeter always over delivers. So I, I was just going to say his, well. his back probably is a little heavy. I'm guessing <laughs> his, his back is hurting because of the heavy weight that I am on top of it. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's for golf too. Don't worry about it. Yes. That, well, there you have it on both sides <laughs> of it. Uh, you can get the golf podcast, shameless plug with uh, Skeeter and, and James as well. My fantasy fix. So anyway, and speaking of our podcast, if you're new, welcome. We always love our new listeners. Loyal ones, too. You can keep up with it. Subscribe wherever you listen. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, name the few. Insiderfootball.com, the website to get all the tools, including the Fantastics Draft Advisor uh, and a free trial available for you there at Insider Football. And James, before we dive into any of the good nuggets that are going to help people win some leagues, man, what about that Fantasy Football Expo up in Canton? Absolutely uh, awesome experience. Fun to fun to get to meet people. You know, it's like oh, I I know these people. I've worked with them. We've had interactions, relationships, but it's always been digital. Um, you know, just with the nature of us being throughout the country. So to be face to face in person was really cool. Um, the whole experience. I mean, heck, we even missed some of it. Uh, uh, we missed a lot of it, really. We missed, because... we missed the, a lot of it, yeah. Next time, we're going to have to work that deal a little differently, I think. But, uh, well, you know, we, we had to get back in town to uh, carry some weight last night as well. But, yeah, it, it was a great experience. I had a lot of fun, and I couldn't be more grateful for the folks that uh, put it on, Bob Long and folks like that, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, the folks at SiriusXM for inviting us uh, up there to carry on a broadcast. Yeah, Good to meet all the folks in the industry, uh, really, all everybody, yeah. and just cool to see. Kudos, as you said, to Bob Lung, but uh, the Kings Classic, we got to host that draft, uh, the 14-team auction, uh, and as well as a snake draft up there with some of the sharpest minds in the biz, and uh, that's cutthroat stuff, James, 14-team draft or an auction. I've never, I was actually came to the realization, I've never done a 14-team auction, which is Seems a lot of brutal when you add those extra $400 into play there, but uh, those are the exact reasons that it becomes more apparent that you might need to use the Fantastics Draft Advisor, a tool that can help anybody in any auction. Yeah, and uh, I, I finally thought about it. You know what? I am actually in a 14-team auction league. It was a dynasty startup, 28-team double copy, uh, staggered PPR. So fortunately, I did have the uh, Fantastic software to help me get that league started, but um, it is quite uh, it is quite the experience, right? Because yeah, it's not only the fourteen teams as you pointed out, Dan. Especially in that auction, it was three flex positions as well. So I mean, as uh, we were talking to a bunch of people up there, I think Jeff Ratcliffe was the one who pointed out too. He's like, I think it's actually more difficult because of the number of players you have to start versus the player pool being diminished with two added teams. And needless to say, both created uh, created a very difficult path to victory and uh we'll see who we'll see who wins it this year i think our, our buddy jim coventry one of the nicest guys i think i've ever met was the defending champ and he put together a good team too 
Yeah, it should be fun, and hopefully you're getting ready for some of your own, your draft auctions and leagues. If you're part of our listener leagues, oh man, those drafts are going to start next week. Draft orders drawn, and James, once again, I drew the number nine spot in my league. I, I was like, are you kidding me? I pick, and, and all these best, I, well, how many best ball manias I do while you were driving us to get, like three or four? I think I was number nine every single time. Like, can I stop getting the number nine pick? I got the sixth pick, and I'm pumped because, you know, I think the first three quarterbacks have to go in the first round. I'm not sure if the rest of them do. And then I'm very happy with any of the other three players uh, or any any of the top three players out of the rest of the pool. So I'm actually really fired up about my pick, Dan. So I'm sorry to hear that. The good news is you've had plenty of practice. I have had a lot of practice. You're right. And uh, that's what... <laughs> We'll continue to do. If you if you haven't been listening to the podcast all summer, we definitely encourage you to go back. All the divisional previews that James and I did in July, they're out there. James and uh, Skeeter looked at the ADP versus Draft Advisor. Still ahead, we're going to go through a deep sleeper, one for every single team in the league. We've got our two-man mock draft, which was our most listened to episode last summer. And... We're going to wrap it up with our season-long props and future bets episode. It's free. It's here. It's the Insider Football Podcast, and we're looking forward to it. Once we get to the season, we'll transition back to our waiver wire show, setting us up for, of course, the weekend show over on Sirius XM Fantasy, which, by the way, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern there on Fantasy Sports Radio. James, before we dive into third down indicators, uh, something, you know, these high-pressure situations, a lot of the backdoor stuff that goes on in our draft advisor, whether it's that or... Uh, how they perform in the red zone, uh, all these other things that we're looking at. I do want to talk about some of the news from here in this first opening weekend of action around the league. And heck, man, we were down there with uh, just about half the industry when Drake London suffered his injury. We know Zach Wilson also suffering a pretty significant injury. Some thoughts on, uh, first, let's start with this Falcons rookie wideout and what this could mean to his fantasy impact. He looked really good. Uh, I think as a conversation we had yesterday, he looked the part. Um, he looked ready for the NFL. And then it was a little knee injury. He was walking. He walks into the tent under his own power. That's always a positive sign to see. Um, I'm not sure that anything I've seen in the last couple of days, as far as Drake London is concerned, has been negative. It's almost as if his nice-looking performance solidified the suggestion he was going to be wide receiver one for Atlanta, and it is, as it would make sense him to be. I think people are like, okay, yeah, it's a bummer no and he got hurt, that. but I'm still interested in him. I think Cooper in the background's agreeing with you. Uh, he is. On this one, doubling down on some Drake London time there. No, uh, it's obviously not good to see a rookie lose any time here, but the, this one looks a little more optimistic. Zach Wilson, a lot of Twitter doctors were having him out for the season uh, when when first looked at on the highlights and what had you, but uh a little more optimism now. They're saying maybe two to four weeks. We'll see how he progresses. But, James, the Jets, things already falling apart. It seems like this team is just cursed. Not only did they lose Wilson, they lost Becton uh, for the year. Rookie a year ago, two years ago? Yeah, so this would have been his third year. Uh, was like a top 10, top 12 lineman pick. And uh, out of that great class with Tristan Wirfs and others, and now he's out for the season. So you 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 get a quarterback who now is going to be a little bit hobbled, at least to start the year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out because the Jets were a real popular sleepery team in the preseason, and it's starting to fall apart already. Will Wilson be back for Week One? If he comes back in Week Two, I mean, are you even ready to start him in Superflex leagues at that point? We'll see. Yeah, we shall see. I definitely think. Uh... In terms of 
the London situation, uh, you know, as I said, that's not as significant. I, I don't know how much, though, we're going to see it affect Wilson because of all the other new playmakers in this offense, right? I mean, it's not just him. It's all the guys he's not getting chemistry with. So always a little tougher when that quarterback gets dinged up. Some other news and notes from the weekend. Uh thought the Chiefs looked pretty good. Went back and watched that one uh, on tape uh, live, I, I should say, delay on the NFL Network, which was pretty good, uh, especially, I mean, Mahomes looked very good, dude, on midseason form as he marched down the field. Now the Bears, they're not a lot to talk about. But uh, also, we saw some pretty good performance out of Damian Pierce. There was a guy that I've been high on already, and uh, he's certainly on the rise here, James. Pierce. Yeah, Five carries, 48 yards, uh, not too shabby. Yeah, he'll be skyrocketing, and he already is. And, they, you know, the report was if he's not the starter, they're not putting their best foot forward this year. Uh, Marlon Mack says he feels great, but it's been two years, two solid years with no production between the injury and then last year where Mack pretty much gave you nothing. So it's now going to be a, a long stretch of time, 700-plus days, since Marlon Mack was, was, was an effective fantasy football player. Pierce, not the case, didn't get overused in college either. Whether that was smart or not smart, well, that, that that's never going to be known for Florida, but certainly uh, for Pierce, I would say, not an offense I thought I'd be super investing in a running back, but, you know, we, we've seen guys like Robinson and Jacksonville be a really good fantasy running back, even though he wasn't on a good team. Pierce could be that same thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think... Uh... The ADP is rising. I mean, the blended ADP and the Fantastics Draft Advisor software is still showing round 12, but that is not where he's going in underdogs. It's not where he's going in these FFPC leagues and some of these other formats either. So should be interesting. Uh, in terms of our official projection at Fantastics, still a little soft here at 810 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns, 20 catches, 156 yards there. So lots of things to consider and see in that case, James. Uh any other things that really catch your eye uh, in the limited amount of preseason action you got to take a look at this week? I mean, you got to be a little upset about Cleveland as well, losing their starting center. Uh, if you were buying into Nick Chubb being a good play, regardless of what was going on, I mean, Cleveland still has a good offensive line. He was not the only piece there, but you lose your center, that's a big deal. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Watson can look any better his next go around. He definitely looked like a player, the quarterback, Deshaun Watson, looked like a player who had not played football in quite some time. Yeah, Baker Mayfield, the guy that left town, not doing too bad. He was 4 of 7 for 45 yards in the uh, Panthers uh, preseason opener there on Saturday. So all looking pretty good there indeed. And uh, all right, so uh, moving along, let's look at this Kansas City team. I talked about Mahomes, James. I know we talked quite a bit about Isaiah Pacheco on the way up to Canton, even with some folks up there. He rushes two times for six yards. He caught his lone target for five yards in the uh, win against the Bears there on Saturday. And not that big of a deal there. Not a lot going on. Hilaire, uh, Edwards Hilaire did play the first seven snaps of the game. But he did come in right after him. And continuing the conversation here, Ronald Jones uh, reportedly on the bubble. On the bubble right now to even make this team. And uh, so... I don't know what your thoughts are on this backfield. Well, I know what your thoughts are, but why don't you share them with our listeners? I'm not going to tell you that Jarek McKinnon's a guy you got to go run out and get. I was really interested in Ronald Jones this preseason during best ball drafts because I don't just I don't really buy it Edwards Lair, but I do believe that there is fantasy production coming from the backfield. And 
And I don't want to pay up for Edwards Hilaire when I think there's a chance it could come from some other players. And that's the reason now I've kind of moved on to maybe Jarek McKinnon because Pacheco is getting pumped up and pumped up. And I'm willing to take a, a stab at him here and there. But right now with McKinnon's price being virtually free, that's the player out of the backfield I'm probably taking the stab at. They didn't rush to re-sign him, but they did indeed re-sign him. And if you go back and look at his playoffs push, I mean, they turned him because they had to. But he was really good, and he kind of looked like in the postseason last year, the back that San Francisco paid to get to bring in several years ago. And, yeah, McKinnon's 30, but he also had three years with almost no NFL work whatsoever. So I don't love that he's 30, but he's almost like Cordero Patterson too, or at least that's what I'm hoping with the shares I'm getting. Yeah, that's a good thing to root for indeed there. And uh, I don't know. I think – I, I, it's just really a situation I'm not that anxious to have a part of, I guess, as much as I more I talk about it here. But uh, Pacheco certainly at a peak value here. Will he be able to return on it? Uh, who knows? I wouldn't bet on it just yet, but we shall see. I do think uh, some other interesting news, news out here today. Uh, obviously, we already heard about Elijah Mitchell's not going to play the whole preseason. I think they're trying to just rest the guy but that's part of the reason i haven't been all in on him as he wasn't able to hold up last year so i'm not sure how much that's uh curing that for me but i will say that overall uh a situation to monitor there and then the rams coach here on monday james uh sean mcveigh saying both cam Akers and daryl henderson are dealing with soft tissue injuries and are being held out of practice soft tissue injuries not for anything you want to hear when you're talking about running backs, particularly in the case of Akers, who's coming off that Achilles. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, it's time to maybe take a look at Kyron Williams, or maybe it's time to just draft Cooper Cup number one overall, because uh, when we get into some of these red zone numbers, if he can come close to replicating anything like he did a year ago, it's going to be really nice, and let's face it, if you're losing a couple of running backs, and I'm not saying lose them, lose them, but even if they don't have 100% of that juice around the red zone, today's NFL, just go ahead and toss the toss the ball. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and finally, Alvin Kamara looks more and more like, because of some delays, that a suspension, if it comes, will likely be in 2022. Adam Schefter suggesting it again today, and James, we're seeing it because Kamara's starting to rise back up the draft board. Yeah, I want to say we saw him, yeah, um, 13th overall pick, or maybe that was one of those 14 uh, team drafts where he was the 15th overall pick, but essentially 2.1, whatever it is, he is rising up the board. I mean, Kamara has been a very productive player Uh, when it comes to quality starts. He has produced two years in a row. I mean, he was really a league winner two years ago with a massive, I think, I guess it was week 16 still, but uh, quality starts of 10 and 11 are the number in the last two years. So if you know, he's going to play a game and I have told you, uh, I am a little bit leery because maybe something does happen late in the season, but it continues to be the report that we're not going to see anything until the end of the year. And if that's the case, Alvin Kamara's got to be considered RB and RB1. Yeah, that's certainly the way we're viewing him inside the draft advisor right now. Uh, and I think as it becomes more closer to the season with no really change in that news flow, you'll see the projection tick up, tick up even more, James. So. All those Alvin Kamara late second round shares could end up being golden, especially for those in season long leagues. Uh, indeed. Any other thoughts uh, before we move along here to some red zone numbers? We'll wrap up this edition, uh, James, on preseason week number one. No, I think that hits it. I'm ready to talk a little red zone production here. 
Yeah, and red zone, always one of those indicators we're looking at. Obviously, I, we know that you know, touchdowns are big in fantasy, so I'm interested in it there. But how players perform in clutch situations, whether it's third down, inside the red zone, when they need a yard, these are all the different variables that I think owners can definitely benefit from, from taking a deeper look at. And that's certainly part of, like I said, on the back end of all this magic that comes up here in our projections and stuff, it does look at these plays with a little more emphasis. And James, in terms of the 2021 finishers, obviously a lot of things change here, but let's go in and look at some red zone passing stats. And uh, I mean, when we talk about the red zone too, specifically inside the 10 yard line is what we'll look at really that green zone of areas. And first of all, I mean, when you're talking, you got your passing stats, but then, you, you know, we'll, we'll one, not even talk about the rushing stats. So Josh Allen here, uh, you know, we'll save his rushing stats for the second layer of this conversation. But when you look at quarterbacks and you look at the completion percentage and who gets these big passes, I mean, it's pretty quick to some of the names that pop up to the top are surprising, but some of them aren't as well. What's the most interesting name you see among some of the more efficient top uh, guys from last season? Oh, I mean, you see, when I look at the completions and you're looking at completion percentage, so I mean, I'm not sure if anything is crazy stand out to me at all, really. I mean, I look at some of these guys, you know, the most completions, Tom Brady, he's a guy that's not afraid to throw a short little pass and let the receiver do the work with it. Honestly, it probably is Josh Allen because we know he runs the ball as well. You know, and I'm looking more inside the 20, 66 pass uh, completions, 123 yeah. attempts. That's a lot. Looking inside the 10-yard line, I don't know what to make of it, but the thing that really popped to me is how low Justin Herbert is compared to some of these others. Uh, you're you know, talking about a guy that only completed 20 feet, five of his 53 passes out there last year. Uh in that particular 47% completion percentage. I mean, that's pretty low, dude. I mean, you have to go down pretty far in the list to find somebody lower than that. But, uh, you know, part of that maybe is on some of the team makeup. Eckler, obviously, uh, I don't know. He rushed for more touchdowns last year. They didn't really have a tight end. Maybe that's why they signed Gerald Everett. They'll look for some help in the red zone, but I'm not sure he's the answer. Uh, Eight. 18 touchdowns out of those 25 completions, though, and only one interception. So quite possibly just he's throwing the ball away and protecting the ball in the red zone. Yeah. Because I, there's no picks there. There's one. There's a lot of different there's a lot of different stories that could be to it. That's for sure. Kyler Murray, he's we know his percentages aren't good anywhere. So why would the red and green zone be different? Uh, 41% for him, 51. But let's go over to rushing. And I think that's really where it gets interesting in the receivers in the red zone. And if you know we go from the passing uh, red zone into the rushing red zone, and you're looking at just how many people are getting these key yards and doing it when they need it in the red zone, uh, I mean, first of all, James, I think the one of the things I want to see is just opportunities, right? And who's getting the rock with those types of opportunities? And for me, uh, opportunity speaks everything in fantasy. It's probably a reason Jonathan Taylor is going number one overall. You want to talk about opportunity? He had 10 more attempts inside the five than the second uh, most rushing attempts, and that was James Conner at 16 to his 26 inside the 10. He had 41 attempts to Damian Harris's 30. And inside the 20, he had 85 rushes to Austin Eckler's 46, almost double what the in next closest player had. Inside the five-yard line, he had 83.9% uh, of the Colts' rushing attempts, right? Uh, that's... 
that's huge. I mean, there was nobody else taking rushing attempts, no quarterback to gank it from you, none of that other stuff. And that's why that coupled with his durability, coupled with a decent offensive line and a team that wants to run the football, it's check, check, and check. Um, after him, though, there are some other guys that were really good at the goal line. And James Conner's an interesting one here, James, because you see all of his opportunity. But, I mean, he only got 57.1% of the rushing attempts for the Cardinals in there and still somehow got 10 touchdowns. And we know Jace, Chase Edmonds is gone, but they've replaced him with other running backs. And you also have Kyler Murray in the mix. So I think it. what I'm looking at there with such a small share of the pie, those double-digit touchdowns might be hard to come by on the ground for Connor again. Yeah, I'm having trouble paying up for James Conner right now for that very reason. Um, I just believe that, you know, a, a huge touchdown number usually mean, leads to regression. It doesn't always happen. We know there are certain players that have a nose for the end zone. Conner's been valuable in fantasy before his days in Arizona, too, but that is alarming. Yeah, I think that one is interesting. And that's what I'm trying to see is like who had those big workloads, who had those things. And I mean, another. Big competition we're hearing. Damian Harris, 58.3% of those rushes inside the five-yard line a year ago. You would expect Ramondre Stevenson, James, to take a bigger chunk of those touches this season, I would say. But Damian Harris might just be one of those players that has a nose for the end zone. But you're right, and that's why you're seeing Damian Harris's ADP drop and Ramondre Stevenson, even in some formats, has already bypassed him. Yeah, Stevenson only 20.8% of the carry. The good thing there, you don't have to worry about Mac Jones rushing too many of them in. So, uh, Josh Allen, how about this showing up on this list of people, James? 35% of the team's carries inside the five yard line to the QB here. And uh, it's actually not even the most of any quarterback in the league without cheating. Any guesses who that would be? I would guess. I don't know, Kyler Murray, if we just talked about the percentage that Connor had. It's actually Jalen Hurts. Who yeah, that makes sense. 36.1% Hurts, 13 carries, 16 yards, but scored seven touchdowns. And James, you only figure he'll take a step forward this season. I would think so. Um, I mean, I would, I, but the question is, will he have to take a step forward in running the ball inside the red zone with the added targets around him? Um, will the team try to put him in the pocket a little more or even just run the ball a little more outside of quarterback runs in that area? Anything else popping at you on these? I mean, there's a lot of numbers. We could spend a whole podcast just on looking at these things. But uh, when we look at these rushing stats, um, there's so many different observations. Anything that might be helpful to determine fantasy values this season? I don't know if it's helpful, but Daryl Williams having 63% of the carry share and side their five last year for Kansas City just leads me to still go, who's it going to be? Leads me to, it leads me to the question that really started uh, uh, probably an, a half an hour ago or 10, 20 minutes ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the stats in there and how it worked. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we saw last year some guys with some big touchdown seasons. There was a guy we were talking about, James. You said he could maybe get 20 of them. Joe Mixon, 70% of those carries inside the five-yard line, 11 uh, yards on 14 carries for just 11 yards, but seven touchdowns for him. He had nine from inside the 20 alone. And you think the Bengal offense fits starts the year and plays more of a full season like the offense that showed up from December and on, that there's going to be more touchdowns to be had. 
Yeah, and that's why I think he could have that high touchdown upside if, you know, it's going to take T. Higgins or Jamar Chase getting tackled at the two or the three or pushed out of bounds. Things like that. I'm certainly not thinking like, oh, it's destined to happen. But I just think, you know, the Bengals have a tough schedule, plenty of uh, high-scoring games we would expect to happen. So, yeah, I do think that there's an opportunity for Mixon, who doesn't really have a alternate alternate player. I mean, I don't think P. Ryan's coming in. I don't think Evans is coming in and stealing any of his goal line work. Moving over to some red zone receiving stats. We'll look at some of the players that are getting it done there. And no surprise who one of the most efficient guys was last season on any part of the field, Cooper Cup. And 70% of the catches inside the 20, uh, 61.0% of the catches inside the 10, 34.6% of the target share for the Rams inside the 10-yard line. I mean, Cooper Cup. We know Matthew Stafford liked him a lot, and it resulted nine of his touchdowns came from catches inside the 10, James. 13 of his touchdowns from inside the 20. This is not the Jamar Chase types of touchdowns that Cooper Cup is getting. And go, goes back to what you said about potential slow start for Rams running backs, two guys that have been injured, and maybe that goal line work goes to Cooper Cup on these same routes. On I don't want to bring up a bad memory, Dan, but I think we all know the last catch he had in the postseason last year. That's exactly what Cooper Cup's capable of doing at the goal line. Yeah, uh, and you know, you didn't need to do that. You could have just said he was good. We had enough stats to go off there, dude. <laughs> uh, you know, what's interesting too here, James, is who else is getting that type of workload, right? Who else has more than a quarter of their team's target share, or better than that, you know, above the 30% mark? You might be surprised. I think people would be surprised to see the next two names on the list of Guys that have over 30% of their team's target share inside the 10 a year ago. One of them, probably not that surprising, Mark Andrews. I mean, he was tight end one after all. The other one, though, James, how about Hunter Renfro? 38.2% of the target share. Now, we know Devontae Adams, who's a red zone guy himself, is going to be there. But I also thought it was interesting. Another little news and nugget out there today was how that uh, they plan to feature Waller in Las Vegas, a little bit more in the red zone. So if that's the and case, was dinged up. I mean, yeah, I mean, how, exactly. I mean, they plan to feature him in the, in the red zone. So, I mean, is Hunter Renfro going to lose all of his red zone value? We had a year ago, just on those two things alone. Not all of it. Absolutely. Not all of it. He's still going to have his spots. And I think Hunter Renfro probably went from a guy that I had maybe slightly overrated in January when I had him, I think, inside my top 20, maybe my wide receiver 20 or something like that. But until Devontae Adams came to town, he probably was a wide receiver too. I'm not sure that he falls to wide receiver four territory. I think if he's your three on your team, especially in a PPR, you're happy. And, I mean, just look to that that right there. I mean, he was highly targeted in the red zone. That doesn't just disappear. Yeah, no doubt about that. What other receivers pop for you here? I mean, we know the studs are the studs. Are there any in here that – Maybe make you rethink, hey, maybe this guy's got a little more sleeper value than I'm giving him credit for. Surely wouldn't say sleeper value, but DJ Moore, who doesn't score touchdowns seemingly, he did have thirty-five, almost 35% of the target share inside the 10. I guess that's promising. That offense was bad last year, so maybe he could take a step up from that five-touchdown plateau he seems stuck at. Uh, and you know I'm going to go to a tight end. You mentioned Mark Andrews. How about Hunter Henry, 31% of the target share inside the 10? He had uh, uh, 25% of the target share inside the 20. 
I talked about Hunter Henry as a sleeper tight end because I believe he can score touchdowns for this team. He had five inside the 10 a year ago. That was the softball toss for Hunter Henry, dude. I was <laughs> I, when I asked you the question. I was looking at it. I was like, is, is this, he going to do it or not? And bam, just like I predicted it. I fulfilled. About, <laughs> and you know what? I'll tell you what. You want to go down the board just a little bit. There's been some positive talk about Adam Thielen. He did have 25% target share in the inside the 10 with six touchdowns a year ago. Could And they're, they're, they're talking in camp like he looks like the old 2018 Adam Thielen. I'll believe it when I see it, but something to take note of because he was a touchdown scorer with a high you know, red zone efficiency. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And you look at some of these receiving running backs. I mean, maybe Austin Eckler not inside the 10-yard line, but definitely inside the 20. I mean, 16 per point percent of the target share there. And uh, we know what he does when he gets the ball in his hands. Aaron Jones showing to be pretty valuable with this data as well. And James, I think they're going to lean on Aaron Jones a little bit more with uh, the loss of Adams, perhaps, as a pass catcher in this offense, get a playmaker with the ball in his hands. So uh, overall, some good stuff. I mean, the takeaways in general is touchdowns are hard to predict, but red zone efficiency may be a little easier. So factor that into your projection, factor it into your rankings, and ultimately get some guys that are set up for success on your roster. So James, any final thoughts before we wrap up this edition? Oh, draft people that score a lot of points and you'll do good. Touchdowns are a lot of points. Good luck figuring that one out. We know it's tough. But as you said, there are some things that indicate guys that just do have a bigger role in that area. If you're too lazy for all that, go over to our website because we've got the tool that will do it all for you and that much more. It's the Fantastics Draft Advisor, a free trial at insiderfootball.com. That's where you can get all the tools to win, all the great content that's there for you as well. And that's where you can catch our podcast. We are deep into season two. Get caught up on all the episodes and, of course, subscribe wherever you listen, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher, too. And catch James and myself on Saturday mornings, Sundays as well, for the rest of preseason from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern over on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio with Insider Football. James, I'll see you Saturday. And uh, next time we come on this podcast, I'm looking forward to it. It's our two-man mock draft. We're going to go... Uh, build some little mini teams here and have some fun. And, uh, you know, we've drafted against each other so many. I might have to throw you a few curveballs in this one. Well, I hope I do a better job than our two-man mock draft right after the NFL draft because I, I didn't think you'd take two running backs, and you did. And Well, <laughs> I didn't get one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll definitely uh, – this one's going to be a little more players to choose from, a little more formatted. So maybe you got a chance. I don't know. Maybe you don't. But <laughs> either way, tune in to find out. For James Adams, I'm Dan Claskins. We'll catch you next time right here on the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast.